Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I'm looking out the window at our plush studios in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it is beautiful out. It's going to be seasonal today, mid-60s, which is not so bad. I mean, we've had some unusually warm weather. Yesterday was a beautiful day. Um, but it's made the fall transition, both in hunting and fishing, a little different this year. So we're going to try to keep you up to date on all that. Um, we're going to be joined by uh, Austin Parr later on to talk some fishing updates. The guys from Tightline Outdoors. Uh, Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to talk some waterfall update and a little fishing. And next hour, uh, Derek Wolf, a, defense, a former defensive lineman Super Bowl champion, for the Denver Broncos and also the newest member of the fan family who is the co-host of The Drive during the week will join us uh, in the second hour. He, Derek is an avid, avid outdoorsman. He has some incredible stories to tell about his outdoor experiences. And he's going to join us and talk outdoors. Right now, let's go to the phones. And as you know, getting youth into the outdoors has always been something I've been almost evangelistic about. I think that there is such a such a value to getting kids involved in the outdoors and adults too. I think the outdoors brings a value system and it brings a certain understanding of life and bonding and memories that nothing else can do. In fact, Derek Wolf was going to join us, told me the outdoors really kind of saved his youth when he was younger because of who he was. So we'll talk about that later. But right now, we want to welcome a couple of people who are really making an effort to get kids into the outdoors. And that's Frank and Josh Via. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Hey, you know, you guys are doing just a great thing. Um, you got turned on to me and by, uh, us got together by a mutual friend, Mark Coughlin. But wh- why don't one of you kind of describe what Outdoor Colorado 2020 is and how mm-hmm. it got started? So, Terry, um, to start, um, thank you for having us on your show today. Um, This is quite awesome. Um, I'm super, super excited for the future. Um, And this is just, it's an incredible experience. Um, So how Outdoor Colorado got started um, was when I was a kid, um, I had the opportunity to get out in the outdoors with my father and my grandfather um, and really uh, experienced that relationship and guide that they gave me to progress to be, um, you know, the adult I am to, uh, today. And so what I wanted to do with how we got kids into fishing and with what we created with fishing, I, uh, I went to my dad and I said, Hey, I want to, I want to start a nonprofit um, in memory of my grandfather who passed away in 2022 and 2020. Um, and I want to share those experiences and create that bond with those parents and those kids and introduce those kids to the lifestyle of what it means to be a hunter. Um, it's not about the kill. It's not about, um, you know, how many big animals you can get. It's not about any of those things. It's actually about experiencing the outdoors and what it means to actually stand somewhere where an individual may have not stand before. It really is a 
just a, it brings in an attitude and a feeling and an appreciation uh, for the outdoors and not only an appreciation for hunting, but an appreciation for conservation and maintaining our outdoor experiences. And we get kids started young. You know, I've always told the environmental move that um, us hunters have been doing it for for centuries. Welcome aboard because we want it to keep going. But it, it also brings something very special to their lives. So kind of tell us what Outdoor Colorado 2020 is and what you do. So um, this is Frank. Uh, a lot of times what we do is we invite the, the parents along with the kids. And a lot of times the parents have never hunted before. And, and the kids have, I don't know, maybe through other friends or something, they've been introduced to hunting like at school maybe. But for whatever reason, we'll get some parents that say, I'm not sure exactly what to do. What's going on? I don't know where, where my son or daughter picked this up, but I don't know what to do. So when we started hearing things like that, that's when Josh came forward and said, you know, we need to share our experiences that Grandpa had with us. We need to share all those memories and then create memories with those kids and then invite the parents along. And we can basically be, I guess, teach the teacher. So we, uh, we teach the, the parents a lot of things. Uh, and some of them end up becoming hunters. We've had some of the the parents actually tell us, you know, I, I never thought about it, but after I started doing going out with you guys, they became really interested. So it it, uh, it not only involves the kids, but the the parents that come along uh, sometimes and just have no idea what's going on, and then all of a sudden we have some new hunters that uh, you know that were just parents before. But I think those memories and experiences that we had with dad um, really played a, a big role in all of our lives. Uh, all my kids either shoot or hunt or do some form of that. We, One of my kids, he's, he likes to hike, so he's always up in the mountains hiking. So it's just, it, you know, it was kind of, I guess, bred into us. And now we just want to create those experiences with uh, other kids and, and basically get them out of the get them out of the living rooms and, and you don't have to play on your, on your phone all the time. There's a lot of other things out there. Now, how does this work? You're a nonprofit. We'll talk about whether people can donate or sponsor a little later, but suppose I'm, I'm a parent and I have a youth or I'm a youth that I'd like to get involved in hunting. How do they get a hold of you? What kind of hunts do you take them on? Tell us about the process a little bit. So, Kind of where we where we go from that is we we really work off of a um, person to person basis. Um, we have social media and everything like that. We have kids that contact us actually through Instagram and Facebook, um, and then through our email as well, which is outdoorcolorado twenty twenty dot com. I'm sorry, that's our uh, website outdoor call outdoorcolorado twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Um, that's our email. So they can reach us through there. And it's really actually a pretty simple process. Um, so all we require from the adults and kids um, is if the adults want to hunt, we require that they go through the Hunter Ed um, program through CPW. Um, and I have a link and everything that I actually just send right over through an email um, that helps them get their stuff taken care of. Um, and it's a pretty quick online course that they can do within, you know, eight to, you know, a week if they really wanted to. Um, and then from there, all they have to do is sign up on our website. Um, and then from there, they can contact us with questions, um, stuff like, you know, what do they need to bring, um, stuff like that. And so we really 
work through that email. And, it, and it's really a simple, simple process to get them started into it. Um, and then the hunts that we take them on, um, we do everything from dove hunts to pheasant hunts to waterfowl hunts. Um, and in return, we actually do big game hunts as well. Um, we've established a little bit into that big game area. Um, we have a couple of kiddos that we've taken up this last few years um, that really, really enjoy it. Um, and introducing those kids to that kind of lifestyle as well. And then in the spring, we do turkey hunts and we do fishing trips. Um, so, and all of it is actually, um, I, I, when I went to my dad, I said, I want to make everything free. Um, and I know that that sounds kind of like, you know, that's hard to do. Um, but I really, really want to emphasize that it's free because the outdoors should be free. Um, that shouldn't be a place where you have to require money from a kid or from an adult to come out and experience and enjoy the outdoors um, and really create that relationship with the outdoors. Um, so it's it's a super simple process, and we, we really try and cover all of our bases for every type of season that might come up. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I want to emphasize on this is that that we're not guides; we're we're out there hunting alongside them, absolutely, and, and creating those uh, those memories with them. And that was a big thing for my dad. It was they weren't guided trips. I remember trips uh, growing up that we'd be out hunting, and I had neighbor neighbor kids right alongside me, or or camping, and neighbor kids right alongside me, um, hunting, fishing camping, doing all, all that stuff. Dad was never one to leave anybody behind. And so that's kind of what we do. Now, uh, now I understand it's a fairly new couple of years organization. How many kids are you usually, are you trying to accommodate or have you accommodated in a year? So the, the very first year that we started, we took out a, a about eight kids. Um, and we started off with our waterfowl season like normal. Um, and we had about eight, eight, individuals out with us that next following year um we were already up in like the 35 to 40 kid area um so this is this will be our third uh hunting season now and pretty now, much every weekend we we're out hunting and that's kind of uh, growing up that's how we were once hunting season started uh in dove season pretty much every weekend and of course, every opening day, that was a, a thing for dad. That's kind of been a tradition. Every opening day, we got the day off of work. Uh, he took us out of school, whatever it might be to make that opening day. That was just always, we call it the via tradition. But now, guys, um, so every, guys, every weekend we're doing that. If, if there's somebody out there, a company or an individual who thinks this is a great thing, are you looking for sponsors? Is there a way people can help you promote and sponsor your activity? Yes, there is. Um, so we're looking for donations. Our, our goal this year um, through the year up into the spring and probably next summer, um, we're going to try and raise about $10,000. We, we've been kind of sitting to the side here during the kind of the slow period there, uh, August, September, putting numbers together of how much we're putting into this, uh, daily hunts, things like that. And uh, that's the price that we came up with um, that we're – we're putting out there and you know we we do get donations every once in a while and we have a few sponsors uh, we have some donors for some of the pheasant hunt, uh, pheasant hunts that we've taken the kids on which we would love those if anybody wants to donate a couple pheasant hunts um 
shooting clays, anything like that, where we can get the kids out and teach them gun safety and create those memories and experiences with them, that, that would be awesome. But, yeah, donors, you can do, if you just want to donate some money, you can donate to our Venmo, Outdoor-Colorado. Um, you can email us at outdoorcolorado 2020 at gmail.com if there's anything that you might want to sponsor us for. Um, yeah, anything like that. That's that's kind of what we're looking for. And, and hopefully we can have some fundraisers here uh, soon that we can, you know, raise some, some, uh, some of those funds. Well, I hope people are listening out there and have the means because I think getting kids into the outdoors is so critical to the future of our culture and our value systems. Frank, I want to switch gears on you really quick while we have about a minute or two left. And sure. you've also been heavily involved in the youth bass clubs. You know, high school bass fishing and college bass fishing have just taken off. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in Colorado? Yeah, sure. So I'm the uh, Colorado Bass Nation Youth Director. I've been doing it for about 15, 16 years. Uh, about that long ago, Josh came to me again and been the spearhead for uh, the junior program in Windsor, where we live. And then, uh, so that's when I jumped into uh, Colorado Bass Nation and became the youth director. And so I run a couple junior clubs. Uh, actually, Curtis Welch runs the Denver Club. And I run the Northern Club uh, out of out of Windsor, and so we we cover that Northern area. And then uh, I run a high school series, so I run uh, four tournaments a year where they're just opens. You basically just need to be in high school, have a high school partner, a boat with a an adult boater, and then we do four tournaments a year. And then that uh, culminates with the state tournament that we do for high school and juniors, and we qualify two teams from each one of those. Uh, um, age groups and uh, they go to nationals and represent Colorado at nationals. So, but yeah, I've been doing that for about 15 years. If anybody's interested in doing that, uh, they can contact me at, uh, actually you can use the outdoor Colorado if you want, or you can contact me at frank.via that's spelled B as in Victor I L L A one zero eight four at gmail.com. And uh, they can, you know, and I can answer some questions for them, how to get one, uh, a club started at their own high school and then uh, we do have some high schools that right now they don't um, they don't have a fishing club or anything. So we have a county club down in Denver that we can uh, that they can join. There's a process if you go through. So, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, lots of fishing. So, hey, we are out of time, guys. But I tell you what, I think the, what you guys are doing, you can tell from your enthusiasm. It comes from the heart and your your attitude about the outdoors that. You're not in this for ulterior motives, and you really want to help the kids. So anybody out there who's listening, if you didn't get the contact information, send me a message on Facebook, Terry Wicks from Outdoors, and I'll pass it on to these guys. But, Frank, why don't you give the, your Facebook one more time and your website, or one of you. Sure. Our, our website is OutdoorColorado2020.com. Our Facebook is Outdoor Colorado 2020 uh, if you're an Instagram person, that would be outdoor underscore Colorado underscore. And then, of course, our email is outdoorcolorado2020 at gmail.com. And you can find right, any one of those. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on. We're out of time, but it sounds like great work you're doing. And thank you so much for what you're doing for youth in the outdoors. Thank, thank you, Terry. You bet. Those guys. We're going to take a quick time out, folks. When we come back. 
Um, we're going to take you to a state park right by the Denver metro area that always has lots going on. And Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the front range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast of any kind, you need to check out a Jack's store. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Bar Lake State Park is Michelle Siebert. Good morning, Michelle. Um, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, I've got a couple things I need to say to you. First of all, you we always we always are so impressed by the way you manage Bar Lake. You always have activities going on almost every week. You you promote the park. You work so hard to get people outdoors, and you're just you should be so proud of the work you do at that park. But now I'm looking on my computer and I see this plaque. It says, to honor Michelle Siebert, 2022, thank you for your dedication to Brighton through the distribution of 325000 in grants to assist local businesses during unprecedented times. So thank you again for not only your activities with parks, but your activity in the community and what you give back, Michelle. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be a part of Parks and Wildlife and the community of Brighton. Well, anyway, you just are, you're always giving and your enthusiasm for what you do always comes through and you're always a bright, shiny spot on the show when you're on. So let's talk about Bar Lake. First of all, I think we need, what's the water conditions? You know, the water is coming in. So the, um, you know, we're fed by the South Platte River. So we've already seen um, a good increase in the water level. So it's nice to see the water levels coming back up. We've had quite a few shore fishermen. Um, so, yeah, it's a great time. The weather's great. Fall weather's great to come out and shore fish. Oh, yeah. I mean, the boat ramp is closed for the season, but the shore fishing should just get better and better until you possibly will have ice fishing. You never know it. There are sometimes you have good ice, sometimes you don't. Um, what species do they tend to catch from shore there? So you can catch walleye, you can catch wiper, you can catch trout, perch. And one good thing is that if you want to hand launch a boat, so canoe, kayak, paddleboard, you can still do that till the end of October. And yeah, yeah and, and what a great time to get out and kayak fish or on or fish from a canoe on Bar Lake. I can just you're not going to have much to compete with, and of course you're usually essentially wakeless anyway because of the 10 horsepower limit you have on motorboats but now get out there in a kayak and and really enjoy some fishing and you know what if we could probably pry some spots out of jr pierce if we ask him real nice i'll talk to him later about that but i'll ask him on the air <laughs> and tell him i won't i'll ask him on the air and tell him we won't tell anybody else but <laughs> right i don't know if he'll give up his secret <laughs> i don't think he will he catches big fish out there he does. Lots of good walleye and, and wipers. So the big fish are out there. Yeah, we don't like to give him too much credit, though. What else is going on at, at uh, uh, Bar Lake? You have a banding station out there. I bet you people would be interested in that. Yeah, we do. So, you know, fall migration is a great time of year to come out to Bar Lake. And we're honored to have the Bird Conservancy of the Rockies, which is housed at Bar Lake. So they have their biologists and volunteers that are at the banding station every morning except Mondays. And they catch birds in the mist net. They bring them back up. They weigh them they measure them. And then they ban them. So you can go to their website to sign up because you do have to have a reservation. But if you've never been to the banding station, it's a great experience for kids and adults. Now, also, you usually Halloween's coming up. Are you doing anything this year? 
We do. So on um, Saturday, October 29th, we have our annual Halloween trail. It's from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And kids can trick-or-treat on our nature trail right by the Nature Center. It's not scary. There'll be six stations. You'll learn about an animal at night, get some candy. We'll have a space painter, crafts, s'mores. Just a great time to get outside and trick-or-treat in the outdoors. And is there information on that on the website and Facebook page? Yeah, on our website and our Facebook page, you can find out about information about that. And, you know, our archery, ra- our archery range is open. We just got some new 3D targets. So we got a new stegosaurus, um, a bedding deer, a turkey. We got all sorts of new targets. So it's a great time to come out to our archery range as well. Now, I'm going to change gears on you while we got a couple minutes left. I know you're not at Bar Lake right now. You're down at Fisher's Peak State Park, which is down by Trinidad, I believe. And you're you're there with the track chair program, which you also have availability at Bar Lake. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the track chair program actually started at Staunton State Park. And then two years ago, Staunton loaned us one of their very first ones. And since then, we've bought another one, so we have two. So the idea about the track chair is to get people um, of all abilities out on a trail where they maybe couldn't walk to. So it's been a great success at Bar Lake, and um, we brought them down to Fisher's Peak today, which is one of our newest, one of the newest state parks. And they have a, a big fall-type festival as well, and they really wanted to make their trails accessible for everyone. So we brought our tractors down here today, and we'll be here from 10 to 3 to make sure that everybody can get out on, onto the trails. All right. And if people want more information on which parks normally have the track chairs, these chairs are so fantastic. I mean, they're like little tanks with a chair on them and you can get out and at a lot of the parks you can use them to go on a trail to go fish or you can just go on the trail to do wildlife watching or just get on a trail that somebody might be challenged to do otherwise in their life. Is there anything on the uh, Parks and Wildlife website that talks about the track chair program and where they're available? Yeah, um, they are on, it is on the website, and right now um, they're available at Staunton, Bar Lake, and Ridgeway State Park. Okay, and then today you're down, you have a couple of them down at Fisher's Peak. Are they pretty well taken, or if somebody happened, was listening and was down in that area, would they be able to get to use one, you think, or at least check them out? Oh, yeah, they'll be able to check them out. And then we also have a representative from Action Track Chair coming, so there'll be a third track chair here. So there'll be a plenty of opportunity if people are in the area at Fisher's Peak to come down and check out the track chairs and try them out. Tell people how they get to Fisher's Peak. Well, if you just go straight down I-25, we're right past downtown Trinidad. Um, you'll find us right off of the highway, which is, which is nice. Um, it's exit 11 right off of I-25 in Trinidad. All right. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you as always for all the work you do and how involved you are. Uh, you're, a, you're a treasure in the outdoor world here in Colorado. Well, thank you, Terry. Have a wonderful day. You bet. Michelle Siebert just does so much to keep things going. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, um, Austin Parr is going to join us and we're going to talk a fishing update and might even squeeze a little upland game hunting out of them. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Just take those old records on All right. Bob Seeger, that'll get your toes tapping in the morning. 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what a beautiful day out. It's really seasonal today. This is what fall should be like in Colorado. Unless you're on the next segment and you're Brad Peterson and you're trying to hunt ducks and they're flying too high. But (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, it is... And we do have some great weather. But, you know, that being said, the transition this fall has been different. It started to accelerate in the mountains. I think they're kind of catching up. But here on the Front Range, it's been kind of different. And it hasn't been that quick change to different techniques. So let's let's start real quick around the metro area. What are you, what are you seeing? I've been out of Tattsville a whole bunch lately. And the fishing has been very good. But it has still been consistent from what we've been seeing for the last several weeks, which is different than what we'd be anticipating in a normal, little bit colder fall. There are very few bait fish in the lake right now, and the walleyes are very spread out. Water temperatures still are sitting in the lower 60s by the middle of the day. And the walleyes, I hate to say it, but they're kind of all over the place. I'm not finding them excessively stacked, especially on any structure. Uh, The digging wrap and blade bait bite is not really there much. Uh, there's some fish to be caught on those, and we've been doing okay in some areas where we found small concentrations of fish. But in general, uh, the trolling bite has been substantially better than the casting bite. Uh, we've been doing quite well pulling lead core and, and snap weights out in the main basin area, and some big fish have been coming too. We caught a 28-incher uh, yesterday, so that was a, a welcome surprise. But shifting over to... Uh, Terry Creek, there are an absolute ton of bait fish out there. And uh, without the cold snap, water temperatures are still warmer like they are at Chatfield. So they've not been really heavily on the feed, and there's been some fish that have been being caught in the, the jigging wraps and the blades with some big fish being reported. But overall numbers have not been super stellar. Uh, water level is pretty low out there right now. There are a ton of stumps that are exposed on the southern end, as well as uh, quite a few stumps in the in the wake area as well. So if you're running your boat around, particularly on that southern side, uh, keep that in mind so that you're not uh, hitting the lower unit. Hey, what about Aurora? I haven't heard anything on Aurora for uh, several weeks, actually. Are you getting any reports out of Aurora Reservoir? I've heard some. Uh, the thing that's been best out there lately has been the trout bite. Uh, they've been becoming active, as they have at Chatfield as well, with some of the cooling water temps. Uh, folks have been catching those on uh, a little bit deeper presentations. Tasmanian devils have been worthwhile, as have spoons like a cast master. Uh, the walleye bite has been getting going. I haven't heard a ton of great reports, and I've not been out there, but I did talk to one gentleman who said he was doing pretty well in the early morning periods on jerk baits up shallow, which certainly makes sense for this time of year. I would think you might hit some smallmouth doing that, too. Definitely. I mean, anytime you throw that jerk bait up shallow in the fall, you have an opportunity to catch a variety of species, especially in a lake like that that's so clear where those fish can really vary in depth over the course of the day. They'll start off early, uh, pretty shallow, and then start cruising back down and might uh, hit a lone wiper out there, which could be certainly a rarity, but a possibility. And then, as you mentioned, some of the bass species along with the walleyes. Yeah. What about um, up in the, the rivers up in the mountains? What do you hear in that about that? It's one of my favorite times of year to fish up there. And with this mild fall, the conditions have been really quite good. The Arkansas River is one that has been fishing incredibly well. We've had 
very good betas hatches coming off up there. And then with the uh, amount of brown trout in that stream, an egg fly is certainly a good thing to be thinking about if you're on a nymph rig. And certainly San Juan worms also are a very good bet this time of year. Spinning tackle can be super effective in a spot like that also jerk baits like an HD trout or a hit stick from Berkeley can be very good and can also catch good fish on jigs down in the bottom of some of those deeper holes, marabou jig or a little tube can be good. And same thing can certainly be said for the Colorado as well. Uh, there have been a little bit higher flows on the Colorado coming out of Williams Fork. It's not nearly as clear as the Arkansas has been, but that's still the boats pretty well for fishing. I don't mind that off color water at all. And particularly if you're someone that likes throwing streamers or those jerk baits like we just mentioned, that off-color water can be good. And if that's not uh, your cup of tea, adjusting and working some brighter egg flies and San Juan worms and those deeper runs with maybe a stone fly as a lead pattern also are good choices. You know, I want to make a comment, too. You mentioned jigs, especially marabou and, and even hair jigs. You know, a lot of people... They don't fly fish, but they'd like to fish the rivers, especially in areas that maybe are flies and lures only. And there there gets to be confusion about what kind of soft plastic you can throw, what kind of lure you can throw. Marabou jigs uh, or hair jigs can always be an option where you can throw flies. And a lot of times they're even more effective. Certainly, and especially in those deeper runs um, or up places on the Colorado where the river is too large to be able to, to get across as you get down toward that pump house stretch below Kremlin. Uh, it's pretty big down there, and the, the crossing is, is very limited. And with a fly rod, it's very challenging from the shore if you're not in a drift boat to be able to get to those middle to opposite banks with any kind of decent drift. So a uh, jig can be really nice to be able to cast and, and work those edges, uh, and especially if you have some super line. That can be a pretty worthwhile bet. Last thing on fishing, uh, mountain lakes, I would think the trout are, I know, I know the lake trout are starting at Granby. I would think the trout as a whole are probably really getting good right now. Yeah, you mentioned that lake trout bite. I've been hearing nothing but fantastic reports for numbers of fish up at Granby. They are piled up at the moment, and a lot of those fish are in as shallow as 20 feet of water at times. Some folks are finding them out to about that 45-foot range. But that's the type of a technique if you're in the boat that the sonar is pretty critical. If you have a lens or a hummingbird unit, taking the time to get the contour maps downloaded onto your graph can pay dividends. And you can work those humps and drop-offs similar to how you'd be thinking about walleyes, where they'll pile up on that structure. When you find them, it is absolutely a stacked-up type situation for those fish that are often referred to as the tough lake trout. So they're that under-22-inch range, which are perfect eater fish for us to then release those big ones. But when you find those fish really stacked up, especially on a couple people on the boat, I'll have one person work a more aggressive reactionary presentation, particularly digging spoons can be really good. I'm a big fan of some of the products from Real Bait Tackle. Those guys make a great little uh, flashy jig with a, a, a clacking meat setup on the top of it that those lake trout really like. And then your classic tubes and curly tails also are definitely a, a great opportunity to, to go with that and tip it with sucker meat. Uh, some of the brighter glow colors can be very good right now. Oh, and they're on the spawn. Those bright colors with those even some oranges can be worthwhile. But if you're struggling on either of those two presentations, downsizing and going more natural can be uh, the ticket sometimes. So even thinking about a gulp minnow uh, with a little bit of sucker meat on it uh, is pretty worthwhile bet. 
All right. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you real quick. I don't know if you've been out or not. I know that pheasants and quail haven't opened yet. I know you're an upland game hunter. Are there any doves left around? Are we getting any northerns? The weather's been kind of different for doves. And any any thoughts about the upcoming upland game? Yeah, I think the dove hunting is mostly going to be done unless you can find a spot with the concentration of Eurasian doves. There's been another friend that lives on brush, and he's mentioned that he's seen doves around, but not many. Although there was a great late season push this year, I think a lot of that may be done now. But certainly the upland game, uh, you know, ironically, that same person that lives out in brush uh, was up in Montana. That uh, upland season has opened and was absolutely fantastic up there. So that uh, may be the ticket this year is making the drive. Uh, getting away from some of these drought conditions up into more favorable uh, conditions as far as the drought is concerned. And where uh, you do that, you certainly find birds. And I think that it might uh, require certainly a lot of walking more than usual this year and may not be the greatest thing in the world, but definitely a good day still when you're following your bird dog around in the field. All right, my friend, we're out of time. People want to find you. How do they do that? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Fort all right, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Austin. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Austin Parr, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Brad Peterson's going to join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a tear in my eyes each night. I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. Teardrops in My Eyes is a song by Wickstrom and Dobrith, which I am a part of. And you can find it on your streaming services everywhere if you just search Wickstrom and Dobrith. And we have a new single coming out. But let's go to the phones. Joining us, uh, one of our favorite contributors. He contributes both from the hunting and fishing side. And that's Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. I want. I know you've been on the water recently, and I want to talk some fishing. But before we get to that, give us an update on waterfall. What's going on? What are you seeing out there? And what do you anticipate? Well, I've been out uh, doing some scouting for a trip later this week, and uh, I'm seeing more birds have shown up uh, after the winds we've had this week. So we're starting to see that push of our early migrators, the widgeons, the the gadwalls, a few of the. The uh, green-winged teal have shown up. So even though we've had warm weather and the birds aren't flying all day long, we are getting that that push of new birds coming in. And with the cold weather we're seeing up in Canada and the Dakotas, we're going to keep getting that little trickle of birds coming in. So the nice thing about that is you've always got fresh birds who that are kind of looking for new places. So if you're got the time to get out, do a little scouting, figure out where those birds are. This can be some of the best duck hunting of the year. The trick right now is, like we've talked about before, it's a real dry year, so a lot of the places people traditionally hunt with the ponds and the sloughs and backwaters, they might be dry, so you might have to just put a little bit more time into scouting. But um, even though we've got warm weather, you know, kind of stable seasonal temperatures this next week, I think that uh, it's going to be a good opportunity for people to get out and chase a few ducks. You know, normally we see these ponds start freezing up as we get into November. 
Um, you know, and we don't have a crystal ball, and it doesn't take many cold days for a small body of water to freeze. But you kind of anticipate we may see um, the hunting on those ponds go a little later into the year than normal. I do. I think that, uh, you know, whereas kind of that Halloween is usually a time that you start seeing those ponds skim over, I think we're going to be looking more around November 10th. Like you say, there's, there's no crystal ball to know what's going on. But a lot of these ponds, especially if they're near the river, are either augmentation ponds that are getting water put into them or they're seep ponds. And as the flow in the river increases from the, the decrease in agricultural use, uh, what's happening is some of those ponds are starting to fill back up and they're seeping in. So they're getting a little bit warmer water coming in. So it's going to take a little bit more of a cold snap to freeze those up. Um, so I would, I would not give up on that pond stuff, you know, um, and, and switch over to the rivers or the big reservoirs first of November, like normal. I'd, I'd keep looking around because I think you're going to have an opportunity to get, uh, get some good hunts in, in November on ponds. Last waterfall question with these birds coming down, not in big waves, but kind of trickling through seeing new birds on a regular basis. How important is calling right now? You know, calling is important. I'd say the other thing is decoy spreads. The nice thing about this right now is it's not a time that you need to have huge decoy spreads because there aren't huge numbers of birds. So people are just getting into the sport and maybe only have one or two dozen decoys. This is an opportunity that if you find the X, you one or two dozen decoys is going to be more than enough to get the birds to come in. But just being able to call a little bit and get the attention of those new birds that are kind of maybe looking around, um, that's going to be key with the leaves still on the trees. Don't call real loud if you're in an area that's got a lot of trees because that's going to echo. So go a little bit softer on your calling, and it'll help you get more birds to respond. All right, let's switch gears a little bit, Brad. I know you were out on uh, Boyd Lake yesterday, and you've been kind of keeping track of the northern waters here. It's been, uh, transition to fall has been slower than usual, even though Boyd's water level is down. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, a lot like what Austin's saying right now is, um, you know, the Metro Lakes were are slow getting to the fall, so are the Northern Lakes. Uh, Boyd is still, you know, it was still 62 yesterday morning when I got on the water. So, and, and it should be, you know, almost getting down to that mid-50 range on a typical year. So when people go out and think about that, that jig and raft, the spoon bite happening, there's some fish doing that, but they're in real small spots. And otherwise, the fish are pretty spread out. And I would say the best bite going on at Boyd right now is for the white bass, and they're suspended in kind of that 10 to 15-foot depth zone. So getting out there, and you're, the nice thing about that is you can get to that depth just flatline trolling, Maybe put a few planer boards on and cover water. And when you find an active school, make sure to turn around and troll back through those again. And it'll, it'll produce some really fast action. Now, if you're not a troller, uh, suspended fish can be hard to target. You know, if they're coming to the surface, we know where they're at. We make presentations. If they're down below, we know what to do. We find them. We make different presentations. Is there a way for the guy who's just casting to target those suspended fish? You know, the best way probably is going to be with a, a heavier lure, like a, a 
the Taskmaster spoon, maybe a Vibrex spinner that you can count down to those schools and bring them in. Um, so if you find an area that has those fish, cast it out. When it hits the water, start counting down and maybe start at five. Retrieve your lure. See if you get bit. If not, you know, let it go down a couple counts more and just kind of figure out where it is and with that countdown method, you're able to repeat that presentation and get in that right depth zone. It's not just kind of a guess of, oh, yeah, that should be about right. You know, no, that's we're catching them on a seven count. Yep, that's seven. We should be right in the fish zone. Um, and, and if you don't like trolling or, or doing that, there is a, a little bit of a largemouth bite going on up in the shallows, probably six feet or less, where there is a few weeds still around. Um Target those areas. It's an early in the morning, late in the evening type day, but topwaters and just your traditional bass lures can get some largemouth and a few smallmouth still. Are you seeing many trout starting to show up at um, Boyd? Have they stocked it for fall, and are those fish showing up? They have not stocked it for fall, and those fish haven't shown up yet. I checked this morning, and historically that last week of October to the first week of November – is when Boyd and a lot of the the northern lakes, like the St. Rain Ponds and that, get their first fall stocking. So we're maybe about a week early before those chances happen. As soon as that happens, it's, it's gangbusters. You're going to see two to three stockings in just about every one of these bodies of water between, you know, the 1st of November and the time that it ices up. So shore anglers should really be getting excited about the opportunities that are coming. Have you heard anything about Carter or Horsetooth? You know, um, both are doing pretty good. Uh, Horsetooth for the smallmouth, the main lake points, uh, pitching jigs and, and little grubs have been producing fish real good. And then Carter, the walleyes have started to turn on. So they are definitely closer to a fall pattern. So it is more of a jigging wrap spooning bite, and you need to find them on structure. But when you find those fish, they're really stacked together. So use your electronics, find those fish, and you're going to be able to catch some fish. And one other thing I do want to mention that's going on at Boyd, today from 4.30 to 6.30, they're doing their uh, trunk or treat thing for kids for Halloween, and it's going to be right there at the visitor center parking lot. So if you want to get out and do a little something with the kids, that's a great opportunity. I will give you a personal update on horse tooth. Karen and I were out there Tuesday, and it was a pretty strong wind. And boat control out on the main lake points was difficult. So we we went we anticipated that's where the fish would be, but it was it just was uncomfortable, and we weren't willing to work that hard. So we went into some inside um, points, secondary points. And uh, Karen was able to kick my butt. She caught him. I couldn't. And she caught him on a uh, uh, a Ned rig with a little general from Berkeley on a Ned jig. We didn't catch tons, but we caught some, and they were decent. So Karen's figured them out. I'll have to try again. Well, hopefully you'll get out again soon because uh, I think that the bite's going to be really good until those boat ramps close up on uh, horse tooth there. And, you know, that's another point to make. If you're headed anywhere, um, most boat ramps are open, a few have closed. But if you're headed anywhere, 
check before you go because because of personnel issues, because of water level issues, and just because we're getting later in the year, a lot of ramps are closing. So you really need to know before you go, don't you? Yeah, you do. And they also are changing up the inspection times. So you'd hate to get to a lake and need to get through inspections and be there two hours before the inspector shows up. Because all you're going to do is just sit around and, and go through your tackle. All right, my friend, if people want more information, where do they find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or uh, give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right, we will talk to you again soon, Brad. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks, Terry. We're going to take a quick time out and we come back. Um, the folks from Tightline Outdoors are going to join us, and we're going to talk more fishing and some really good bites on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a 104.3 The Fan.